0: We are uh, beginning a brand new series this week. We'll be here for the uh, month of August, uh, September 7th, first Sunday of September, is kind of our uh, back-to-school fall push. We're going to have our new um, small groups kicking off there. There's going to be a big push for, it'll be a great opportunity for you to bring people who are Curious about our church on September 7th. But in this time span, we're really looking to dial into our assignment as a church and as individuals. And we're getting into this concept that I simply titled Aerosmith. And arrow like, you shoot. And uh, Smith is then someone who crafts something. That we are to be Aerosmiths. We are to craft these things. And the scriptures liken Children or the next generation as arrows in a quiver. And one of our key points of our assignment as a church, and I believe just as people of God, is to make an impact there. If you get your notes open, let's go ahead and look at this. God's plan has always been for his love to cascade from one generation to the next generation. It has always been. For his love to it's poured out on one group, to, for that to be expressed, and for them to pour that out—that grace and that love—and it should be something that magnifies and rolls forward, and it should be this incredible source of joy. I've got a little video. It's a, honestly, it's a commercial for water, and um, but it is—I just think it—it it represents that thing that when we connect with who we are, and that our, our choices and how we respond can make a difference in a younger generation? Well, you'll see. See, the truth is, is there is something joyous and inspiring and life giving about seeing our moves, our steps, our choices impacting and reflecting a younger us. Our own children are the younger generation, the one that's coming up behind us. And if we forget that, we get into our daily flow of just making life happen and get to work and get to the next thing, and we forget that, then the next generation can be left behind. That is the whole point of the Aerosmith series. is us embracing the joy of impacting and crafting and, and showing God's love to the next generation. Now, obviously, you, I can't say Aerosmith. And you not think Aerosmith. So, real quick, I got my buddy Russ uh, to uh, help me out right quick. And what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and deal with the elephant in the room. And if we were going to do an Aerosmith series on parenting and discipling and impacting the next generation, well, the next five weeks would look a little something like this. Week one. I think Walk This Way would be a good title. I have a question. Yes, sir. Are you preaching on the original version or the run DM? version? <laughs> I think we're leaving all the lyrics out of it. We're just using the title. And then week two. to miss a thing. Think that'd be a good one? For us we could have could have gone that direction. Then week 3 Sweet emotion. I think that could have worked as a sermon title. Week four. child. That could have worked for a parenting series. And then week five, we would close it out with if you can find the switch. While he's looking, obviously based on worship this morning, we could have used dream on. So, I'll see what you did there. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> close it out with our parenting family series, close it out with Love in an Elevator. Don't go, no, 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 not what you're thinking. It's subtitled The Ups and Downs of Family Life. Thank you, Russ. But that's not the Aerosmith series we're doing we're doing this one. Today, we're talking about making sure the quiver is full. See, as parents, grandparents, and just followers of Jesus, the greatest task that we can invest our lives into is loving and teaching our children. This is the greatest thing we can do. See, Psalm 78 verse 4 says, We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deed Deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. That we will tell them, we will expose them to this. They will hear it from our lips of the goodness of God and what he's done in our lives. I've said it before, but as much as is age appropriate for your kids as they grow up, your kids should know your God story. There's some of it you have to wait till they're grown to tell them. But as they're younger, there are pieces of it that you can share just for the, one, for the part of recognizing that you needed God, that you couldn't do it on your own and that you placed your faith in Christ. And you, <clears throat> if that has happened in your life, your kids should know that story and be able to tell it and pass it on. The goodness of God in, in all of your, the aspects of your life, because the truth is, is, is they're being exposed to voices all the time. Uh, my pastor who raised me up, he told one, one of my favorite stories of his. He grew up on a farm. I did not grow up on a farm. He grew up on a farm. And obviously, the farm has all sorts of animals and all sorts of different things. And they had had their, this chicken coop built on top of their doghouse. So they had this doghouse. And then the second level were the chickens living in there. And this puppies were born inside this doghouse. And they go out and these puppies are just a few weeks old. And they sit there and they hear this, this weird... Roer, 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 this weird dog rooster sound. And they go out and finally figure out one of the puppies had been there and lived under that chicken coop. And lived under that with that rooster. And had, instead of mimicking a dog... When he would go to bark, he would try to crow. And he would just, and it was just this sad, pathetic attempt. And he was just confused. So they took the little puppy and put him in a different part of the farm. And it wasn't long. He's around dogs. He's back to acting like a dog. He's barking like a dog. No hint of crow in his bark whatsoever. But the truth is, is our kids are being exposed to stuff all the time. And they're going to echo something. They are. It's just the truth of it. So with the children in our own lives, and with in our own households, the children in our community, the children that we deal with on a regular basis, we, it is our responsibility as believers to embrace our assignment to help point them towards a good and loving God. Psalms 127, which is the, the crux of our series, says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from Him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Our children born in one's youth? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents, or other translations says enemies, at the gate or in the, in the court. See, there is an accuser of the brethren. We have an enemy. And ultimately, for one generation... To be able to stand before God and not be put to shame. When the accuser, the enemy opens his mouth. It's for us to go, you know what? We have shared with the next generation. We have poured in to our children and their friends and everybody of the next generation that we possibly could. That is our assignment. See, I have a little bit of experience of someone uh, who made their? Who was an arrow smith? Uh, it's whether or not that word exists. I don't know, but someone who crafted their own arrows. When I started and uh, to date my wife, my father in law who has moved on was super in uh, moved on in away from this hobby. Not moved on on, and uh, but at the time his hobby was it's competing in archery and in shooting and. He wanted his arrows to be perfect. So instead of going online or going to the store and buying arrows, well, he would make his own arrows. And so he would glue all the little feathery things on there, and he would put the the nocks in them, and he would build all of these arrows. And it seemed a little suspicious to me that every time I came over to their house to see Cutie, he was making arrows. I think he was sending me a silent uh, message that he could kill me quietly. He could take me out and never wake the neighbors. And so, uh, but he would sit there and and he wanted those things to be able to fly true. That when he put it in the bow and it was released, that would be able to make its mark. And so he made sure all of those pieces, everything, every variable that was in his control, he couldn't control everything, but every variable that was in his control that he was putting extra effort and detail into it. tell you, one of the most important things Celebration Church does every week happens on the other side of that wall. With our children's ministry and, and what's happening there and down the hall with our nurseries, that's one of the most important things that we pour resources and time and effort into. If you're feeling stirred and you want to become a greater part of Celebration Church and you want to help make a di- difference in it, I tell you what, step up. And we've got volunteer opportunities. We've got different things happening. And you can help, <clears throat> help us to reach that assignment. But we have to make a difference in our children. And I want you to notice that I put the, uh, made us an underline. The word our is one of our fill-in-the-blanks. We have to be conscious of, the, of our kids' In our households. Those of us who have children in our homes. That responsibility to embrace that, that call to be the Aerosmith is on us. And so we, we embrace that. Then there are kids in our church. You say, well, Brandon, you're, you're going to spend the next five weeks talking about parenting and children and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, my kids are gone. Or I don't have kids. Or I haven't entered that phase of my life yet. Well, guess what? The guy who probably has the most sons of the faith was never married and didn't have a biological kid of his own. His name was Paul and he wrote the bulk of the scriptures and he referred to Titus as his son, to Timothy as his son in the faith. And guess what? More than likely you and I are in that lineage of sons in the Lord from Paul. Because as he moved towards Europe and all of his message went out, more than likely of all the disciples and the apostles that took the message of Jesus out, more than likely you and I would be able to trace the fact that we heard the gospel back to Paul and to one of his sons in the faith. So we have our kids in our church and that's on us, our responsibility. Then we understand that there are kids in our community. They don't walk through the movie theater and to connect with us on a Sunday morning. They don't go to kids camp and do those different things. But guess what? There's a wonderful ministry that we've supported from day one called House of Faith. And we help resource them and cut them a check every week. And give volunteers when they knock on our door and say we need, we need volunteers. And be a part of what's happening because they're reaching kids in our Community. Then there are kids in our nation, which is us, and then our community going to, to our to the house of faith, but then also Association of Related Churches ARC. Every one of the churches that they plant has a vision to make an impact on the next generation. They're all passionate about kids. All of them. And then last of all, in our world. That's why we support tens of mercy. In Israel, that's why we support Reaching Souls International that, that carries people all over the place. And they have one of the most wonderful um, adoption and kid sponsorship programs they possibly could. They said, forget it to the normal um, institutions of uh, orphanages. And they have made it to where they resource entire families to feed them and take them and embrace them into a household. It's revolutionizing the way that orphans are dealt with in sub-Saharan Africa. It's absolutely amazing. That's part of our assignment is to impact the next generation. A little over a month from now, we launch. We have a full launch of our campus in Big Lake. And it's super exciting. And one of the things that made us so pumped about partnering with them is here's a church that on any given Sunday morning, what honestly the truth was, they would have three to seven people on Sunday mornings. But on Wednesdays, they would fire their, their vans up and they would have anywhere from 35 to 45 kids in that church they're reaching out to and are like, ah, they get it. They understand it. Man, we love this. They're pouring their time and their efforts and their resources. And we will come in locked arms and we'll be fully launching a campus there in the middle of September. It is exciting because they embrace the assignment to make a difference in the next generation. The truth is part of each generation's assignment is to set up the next generation to hit their mark. Let's look at this. 2 Timothy Chapter 2 says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others also. So here's Paul. He has the revelation of who Jesus is, his love, his grace, and he is imparting it to Timothy. Boom, boom. It's already cascaded one generation. He's instructing Timothy You need to find faithful people. Boom. Next generation. These are Paul's spiritual grandkids. Okay. And he says, all right, you need to find people to impart this into and to share this. Who will teach others also his spiritual great grandkids? He was looking generationally ahead. The video we rolled here about welcome to church Talked about generationally throughout history the impact that the church has had on the world. Whether starting educational institutions or or the orphanages or the feeding programs or the hospitals and all of the practical stuff that's happened. But the most important thing is generation after generation has presented the gospel to the next group. See the truth is, is that the gospel has traveled thousands of years and thousands of miles to you and it's now yours and my assignment to pass that on i don't want to be a dead end i don't want it to have come thousands of years and thousands of miles and to hit my ears and never go forward and we start that with simply embracing us, our ability to impact people in our own household let's look at this in acts 13 36 says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he had a purpose in his generation. Okay, And part of it, we're going to look into it. David was a king. David helped rally Israel. David did some awesome things. But <clears throat> says when he had served his purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He died and was buried with his ancestors and his body had decayed. It went away. Now let's jump back into the Old Testament and let's look at David at the end of his life when this is about to take place, when he's about to be done. His, his end of his days has come. First Chronicles 22, verses 5 and 6. David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced. He doesn't know what he's doing. And the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor. We have this huge assignment. We have this this thing that God, the vision is big, the great thing to do for the kingdom. And this next generation is young and inexperienced. So what does David do? David helps set him up for a win. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. And then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. Part of David serving his role in his generation was setting Solomon, the next generation, up for his win. That's just just part of it. We have to look at it. It has to, we have to stay next generation mindset. Otherwise, if we stay current generation mindset, we will solidify on what me and my peers and all of us like, and we will, sol- and we will just calcify right there. And pretty soon, we're relevant today, we're relevant today, we're kind of relevant today, we're relevant just to us. Now we're completely irrelevant to anybody that wasn't born in our decade. And our impact goes away. We cannot allow that to happen. You say, Brandon, we meet in a movie theater. We're casual. Why are you telling us this? Because we've got to sew this into us while we're young. Because guess what? We're all going to get older. And today's innovation is tomorrow's old news. And we at the heart... For anything, if it has to be for the assignment, not just to be new and different for new and different sake, but for the assignment to impact the next generation's sake, and whatever that looks like, and whatever it's going to take, short of sin, we're going to do it. We're not going to violate the principles of the kingdom of God. But I tell you what, if if if, if it doesn't cross over into sin and it's going to reach somebody, we're going to do it. We're going to make a difference. See, look at this. The very first thing God talked about to the very first generation was the next generation. We, have, we don't have any record of any conversation that else was happening other than this. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Immediately talked about the next generation. Immediately. when welcome to the planet. I'm God. Love me. Do what I say. It was the next generation. The next generation. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, the truth is the church should be the most innovative force in the world. We should be. The Holy Spirit knows how each next generation is wired. And if we would dare to take some risks and be a little different. And lean in the, to the Holy Spirit. And not on our own understanding. Then we would be on the forefront of what's happening in culture. Instead of trying to reclaim it in some lame Christian version of it. Retooling it and be on the backside of it. Always too late to the party. We should be on the front side of it. And i tell you what, the, there was a change in the way music was done. It had, been, it had stayed relatively the same for, for about 40 or 50 years. Hadn't changed much. And all of a sudden in the 60s, this thing that we know and appreciate and love, rock and roll, some electric guitar, came on the scene. And one of the guys who is considered in modern culture to be the, the king, the originator of rock and roll Elvis Presley, was in the middle of it in church. That sound was alive in him. When he stepped on a stage, an entire generation had never heard that before and went, Whoa! Yes, this is finally what music is supposed to sound like. And the church had it right there. And if it had just turned him loose, giving him a little spot on a corner somewhere. And said, We well, don't have to listen to it, but you can go do it for Jesus. We're cool with it. And turned him loose, who knows what would have happened. The guy had all sorts of success by every all the world standard, and in his last days he says that he said his quote was that he had squandered his whole life. Because he had not, he had been called to ministry. He'd squandered his whole life, it was all worthless because he was called to ministry. What was that sound that is just common just throughout all our worship stuff today was being birthed in the church and it revolutionized culture as we know it. And the church shut it down. We cannot do it. We have to be innovative in thinking about the next generation we close with this it's important to God that our kids know about his love and grace I've said it from the beginning we want to be a church where what happens in here is something for the parents to do while the kids are going to church not vice versa not that something there so the kids aren't squirming next to you and bothering you and we just provide them a little something It has to be about if kids matter. Mark 10, verse 14 says, When Jesus saw this, they were trying to keep the kids away from him. He was indignant. He was really, really mad. He was P.O.ed. He said, He said to them, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to them. They don't just get in on it. They own it. It's about the next generation. It belongs to them. And so as we are stewards of what we've been given, who do we have to steward it for? Who it belongs to. The next generation. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. The great evangelist of the 1800s, D.L. Moody, was talked to one day about a meeting and, was, and he said, they said, well, how did the meeting go? He said, well, you know, we had two and a half salvations. And uh, they said, oh, wow, you, you know, you had two adults and one kid. He said, no, I had two kids and one adult. Adult had already ruined half their life. Kids have the whole thing in front of them. It's a, it's a whole life, a whole series of choices that's been redirected for kingdom purpose. He had the right mindset on it. As parents, as Christ followers, we've got to get excited about this. Looking for opportunities. If you're a grandparent, pouring into your grandbabies. If you're an aunt and uncle, pouring into those nieces and nephews. If you're just a member of this church, doing what you can to facilitate what happens with the ministries that we reach out to our kids. So we must choose to embrace the assignment to help the next generation to know God better and trust Him more. We are called to be Aerosmiths to help craft and bring it together for that next generation to hit its mark and go further than we've ever gone, do more than we've ever done, Dream bigger dreams go further in life. This morning, my, I don't know if I can say this without crying. My heart is extra full right now, because not only is my wife, she's done. she'll have got it done on time. I'm going over. And uh, uh, she preached this morning, but my son is filling the pulpit in Sonora, Texas. And is there right now. He's there preaching. Yes! I tell you what, my heart is so full. That somehow in the middle of me being his dad and all of these different stuff that he embraced. And he's excited about. And you know what he talks about? The next generation. Being an impact and a voice in the generation. Yes, Lord. Oh. Mm. We have to embrace this. We have to. I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, we are so grateful for all of those who are faithful ahead of us. God, We are so thankful for them. The grandmothers and the grandfathers. Lord, the people that prayed for us and we have no idea about it. That they looked forward into time yet to come. And they spoke life over us and they set us up for the winds that we're enjoying right now. None of us are here by our own design. Nobody lifts up themselves by their own bootstraps in the kingdom. Someone. Prayed. Someone stood there. Somebody shared the gospel. Somebody did it. And Lord, this morning, we as a church and as a people and as individuals, we want to say yes to the assignment to impact the next generation. God, you've been good to us. We're right with you, not based on what we've done, but based on what Jesus did. And we want our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids to step into that. God, we thank you for that. Lord, give us clarity. Let us see the opportunities before us and the courage to open our mouths and put our hands to the plow and do the things that are before us. Trust in you to bring the increase. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning, you're like, Brandon, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the outside looking in. then I want you to just, and you just can embrace it. It's it's as easy as that, just saying yes to Jesus. I want you to just raise your hand right quick.